Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Now in essence though, we realize that Jesus will always prevail over darkness. So no matter how dark this world gets or no matter how dark of a place a person gets in, when a light wishes Jesus come on or inside that darkness, the darkness has to make room for that light. All right, think about like a lighter in a cave. It doesn't matter how big a cave is or how dark that cave is. If I have even just a flicker of a light, every particle of darkness around that light has to go away. And that's how Jesus is. Amen. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is today's message. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Kingdom Rock Network. I'm so excited that you decided to join in with me today. And uh, my name is Caleb, and I'm so excited for you to be here with me. Um, today, we're going to be starting a new segment called Walking Through the Word. Now, this will be a segment, um, a, a Bible commentary style teaching on Mother Bible in a new way that I pray excites you to grab your Bible and read the word with me. And I pray that it also expires you and encourage you to get your Bible and read yours as well with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we go throughout this series or this, this segment, it will be formatted in different series. And um, these series will be broken down maybe into chapters like we're doing today with the book of John. Um, we may make it our focal point of something such as the early church or maybe the uh, people walking through uh, God's people walking through the wilderness, um, as well as focusing on individuals like David or Joseph or Ruth or Esther. But today we will be starting in the book of John. Um, and I'm so excited that you join in with me today. And I just pray that this really blesses you and increases your knowledge of the word. So let's go ahead and get started. So right now we're going to go ahead and first of all, just read through chapter one, and that will be our focal point for today. John chapter one. So let's get started and let's begin reading. And we'll be reading from the NLT version. And it reads, in the beginning, the world already existed. The world was with God and the world was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is a true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home, home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given to Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness comes through Jesus Christ. No one can ever. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God. And he is near to the father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This was John's testimony when Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, 
Who are you? He came right out and said, I am not, I am not the Messiah. Well, then, who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in these words of the prophet Isaiah. I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. Then the Pharisees who, has, who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worried to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I'm talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he may be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard about John or rather who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip from Bethsaida Andrew in Peter's hometown. I'm sorry, Phil, rather, Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew in Peter's hometown. Philip went to Nathaniel and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed, exclaimed Nathaniel, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here's a genuine son of Israel a man of complete integrity. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel explained, rather, Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Then Nathaniel, rather, Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I have seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Amen. So let's go back to the top of this and break it down verse by verse. So let's first of all start with verse one. And it reads, 
in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Verse two, he existed in the beginning with God. So the first thing John does for us here, he establishes two important truths. Now, we know that when we talk about the word of God here in this particular context of scripture, we're talking about Jesus. All right. Now, John could have just left it there, but John goes a little bit more in depth and rightfully so to truly establish the identity of the identity of Christ. Uh, number one, he establishes the eternality and the eternal exist, existence of the word. As it reads, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He also makes sure to establish the word as a pronoun, um, as a person. He says he existed in the beginning with God. Amen. So by doing this, he establishes equivalency of the eternal word who is the who is Jesus uh, with God. Amen. Then if we look at verses three and four again, uh, John establishes the identity of the word, which is Jesus, by telling us all things were created through him. Verses three and four, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought in his life brought light to everyone. All right. And we can even with this particular verse right here, let's cross reference uh, Colossians uh, one verses 15 or rather Colossians chapter one. Um, Verses 15 through 17. And it reads, Christ was a rather Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created in the supreme and is supreme over all creation. For through him, everything was created, everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things that we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creations together. So again, this affirms the truth that we can see in um, John chapter, rather John chapter one, verses three and four. It says God created everything through him, talking about the word, talking about Jesus. So everything was created through Jesus. Amen. Verse five reads, the light shines in darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now we know that that light is Jesus. All right. The light is Jesus and light here. It represents a few things. One light represents truth. All right. Light rep represents revelation. It represents exposure. It represents accountability, which ties into truth. And it also represents an invitation, which we'll talk about later in verse nine. And then darkness here represents spiritual blindness, sin, ignorance and confusion. Now, in essence, though, we realize that Jesus will always prevail over darkness. So no matter how dark this world gets or no matter how dark of a place a person gets in, when a light, which is Jesus, come on or inside that darkness, the darkness has to make room for that light. All right. Think about like a lighter in a cave. It doesn't matter how big a cave is or how dark that cave is. If I have even just a flicker of a light, every particle of darkness around that light has to go away. And that's how Jesus is. Amen. Let's continue reading verses six. Um, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is a true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So first thing to take note of this particular verse right here is that John refers to Jesus as the true light, not just light, but as the true light. Now, John did this to signify that he wasn't a light. He was just a witness to the light. But also, you got to realize that because he uses the word true light, this implies that there can be a false light. 
Let's cross-reference this uh, particular scriptures to Matthew verses 6, uh, rather Matthew's, uh 6, verse 23. And it reads, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And the light you think you have is actually darkness. How deep that darkness is. All right, now we know again that Jesus is a true light. Any other light is any other light besides Christ is always going to be rooted in deception. All right. And deception is always going to be rooted in lies. And we know that the father of lies is the enemy, which is the devil. And we know that he likes to appear as an angel of light. He's a false light. And we can see this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. Now, let's take a look at the latter part of verse 9. It says, the one who is a true light, this part right here says, who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, as I mentioned earlier, when we when we were talking about what light is, I said that light is an invitation. Light acts as an invitation. Now, he extends this invitation to everybody. Again, it reads that he gives light to everyone. The, the one who gives light to everyone was come. The one who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, we have to choose to accept this invitation. So we can either choose to accept this invitation that Jesus brings or we can deny it. And we can see this truth highlighted in verses 10 to 12. And it reads, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. So again, John just referred to Jesus as a true light. And this true light came to his people. What did they do? They rejected him. They rejected the invitation. They rejected his light. Amen. Verse 12 reads, but all, verse 12 reads uh, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are, re they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So again, we can see this principle of the people of Israel, they rejected the light, but it says for those who do believe, those who accept the invitation, what happens? They are reborn, not from a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So again, Jesus extends this invitation to everyone. He's the true light. Light is like an invitation. He extends this invitation to everyone, but we have to choose to accept this invitation. And for those of us who accept this invitation, we're reborn. We become God's children. Amen. Let's look at verse 14 here. It reads, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. Now, like I read in KJV, it, it reads, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth now take a look at this first part of the scripture and the word was made flesh we understand that jesus is god but yet he is all man he is god in, in, in the indwellment of man amen but we have to understand that though he is man he is still the fullness of god all right perfect in power all right perfect in, uh, in wisdom perfect in grace and love all right but it was all compressed and condensed into the man of Jesus. Amen. Now, David's son Solomon, who built the temple um, of the Lord, said, he says this in a prayer, Second Chronicles. He says, but will God indeed dwell with men upon the earth? Even heaven, the highest heaven cannot contain him. So as we read this particular verse right here, we can see the very power of God in place right here. Solomon says that the heavens can contain you, the earth can contain you. And this was in reference to when Solomon was building the temple. But for God to 
indwelling himself into a man proves the very power in the existence of God. Amen. So again, verse 14 reads, and the word made and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Amen. Verses 15. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. All right. So again, we can see John. Uh, he's highlighting this this point and this emphasis of God being rather of Jesus being, you know, equal to God. Amen. He says he existed before me and he uh, he existed. Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me. All right. And again, this we, we can again see this this principle of Jesus being God, the deity of God and man, as John explains right here. Let's look at verse 16. It reads, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given to Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness, which is grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did for us what the law could not do. Now, this isn't to say in the sense that the law was wrong um, or bad or anything like that. The law was actually perfect. It was a perfect standard to be made right with God. But without Jesus... One would have to follow the law in its entirety without a single mishap in order to be made right with God. And just to add to this point, let's look at Romans 3, uh, verses 19 to 23, and it reads, Obviously, the laws apply to those whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can even be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to, make, to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are, made right, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned and have fallen short of the, glo for the, of the glory of God. So again, this perfect standard we can't follow this perfect standard. It shows us how guilt, how guilty we are. So we can't follow the we can't follow the law, and expect to be made right with God. Jesus did this for us. Amen. Verse sixteen and seventeen again. It reads, "In the fullness and of His fullness have we received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ." All right. So, again, the law was given by Moses. This perfect standard was given by Moses uh, from God by, uh, to, to Moses, to the people. But for us, we have grace. We have we have grace on grace. You know, uh, we live in a, in a, in a period of grace uh, where we don't have to live, in, you know, according to the requirements of the law. Amen. Verse 18 reads, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God and is near to the father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Again, Jonah again testifies this truth. He says the unique one um, as God, the son, whether as as the son, which as God being the son. Amen. I also want to look at this net, this last part um, in verse 18. It reads, who is near to the father's heart. So God, the father, when I read this, we, we, we can see that God, the father is near to the son. All right. So we see this perfect unity between, you know, God, the father and God, the son. 
All right. And we know that also God, the Holy Spirit, this is perfect unity uh, between the three of them. Amen. Verse 19 reads, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked, are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah. Now, at this point in time, Israel, they're under Roman rule, and they were expecting a Messiah according to, you know, prophecies, you know, the writings of Moses and through the writings of the prophets. And we can cross-reference some Old Testament scriptures. We can see in Micah uh, 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, you are a small village among all of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel who origins are in a distant past will come to you on my behalf. All right. Genesis 3.15, I will cause hostility between you and this woman. Uh, this is God talking to uh, this, the serpent. And between, you, and, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And there's many more that we can look at. Isaiah 7.14, Genesis 49.10, uh, Psalms 45.67, uh, rather Psalms 45 verses 6, chapter 6 verse 7. Um, and there's many other uh, examples. All right. But before we can even ask the before the before Jesus, before when the Pharisees asked John this question, the first thing he says is he came right out and said, he says, I'm not the Messiah. All right. So they they were expecting a Messiah. They knew a Messiah was coming. But John goes right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. All right. They asked, who are you then? Are you Elijah? Again, in order to understand this line of questioning, we have to understand that the Jewish people were not only expecting the Messiah, but they were expecting the one who precedes the Messiah, uh, who was believed to be Elijah. And again, this line of questioning is based off Old Testament prophecy. Uh, we see this in Isaiah 40, uh, verses 3 and 5, uh, Malachi 3, verses 1, uh, Malachi 3, verses, uh, Malachi 3, 1, verses 3. <laughs> they believed that it would be Elijah, the prophet, because it reads Malachi, uh, in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. He is preaching. His preaching will turn the his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. All right. And again, they continue to question John, and, and again, and again, because again, they were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting someone to precede the Messiah. Amen. Let's read verses 22. They, they say, "Then who are you?" We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. All right, and this is a, a, a quote of scripture directly from Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 5. 24 reads, Then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? Now, the Pharisees who like to appear as protectors of the law, if I may, um, they were no more than religious people of the day. They were the religious people of the day. They had an elite mindset, a very pious mindset. Um, they thought that because they were children of Abraham, they were just saved. They were, you know, set apart. They were God's chosen ones and nothing could happen to them. Amen. John tells them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not, who you do not recognize Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. 
This encounter took place in Bethany, an area of an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptized where John was baptizing. Now, this question comes up, why was John baptizing? Why was John baptizing? It says John was baptizing, they noticed John baptizing, but why exactly was John baptizing? Well, we can see this answer here in Mark uh, chapter one, verses four, and it reads, the messenger was John the Baptist. He was in a wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of all their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Amen. And KJV reads, John did baptize in the wilderness and preached baptism of repentance for the remission or the cancellation of sins. Amen. So looking at this right here, we can rightfully conclude that baptism is an outward expression of an inward confession, which is repentance. Now, this isn't to say that if you haven't been baptized, that you haven't truly repented. But again, it's an outward expression of an inward confession. Amen. And because, you know, Jesus was even baptized and we know Jesus wasn't baptized because he's saying he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, uh, according to Matthew 315. So, again, baptism is an outward expression of an inward confession, which is repentance. Now, this is something that was not only practiced now, you know, or in the early church, but this is something that is practiced today. Um, this this principle and this this thing of baptism. Amen. Let's look at chapter verse, uh, rather, let's get verse 30, uh, 29, and it reads, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. All right, so again, we know that for one, John was baptizing in order for people to show that they had repented of their sins. But we can also see here that John was also baptizing so that the Messiah may be re revealed to Israel. All right, verses, 30, verses 33 says, I didn't know who he was, talking about Jesus, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that Jesus... Rather, I testify that he is the chosen one of God. All right, so John the Baptist was the first person to truly recognize Jesus as, as the Messiah. He was the one to recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world, and this revelation came straight from God. All right? Now, again, we know that John the Baptist was baptizing to show, you know, for repentance, to show the outward expression of inward confession, being repentance. But here in verses 33 and 34, we can also see that he was baptizing so that Christ may be revealed. Amen. All right. So we're going to stop there for today. Um, just do the time restraints. But next time, as we come back, we will continue in the rest of John chapter one. And we'll go ahead and start in John chapter two. I pray that this has truly blessed you. And I pray that it has brought insight to you regarding the word of God. And I pray that it has also inspired you not just to read the Bible with me today in this Bible commentary teaching, but also in your personal time, in your personal life with Christ. I pray that you get your word and you begin to open it up for yourself and let the Holy Spirit teach you. Amen. I really love y'all and I'm glad that you decided to join in with me today and I will see you all next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.